Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com walk in and just see like some dude's ass it's like what go to the stall go to the fucking stall (laughs) (laughs) welcome to behind the sins presented by cinema sins welcome to behind the scenes a weekly look at everything going on inside the world of cinema sins i'm aaron dicer and i'm joined as always by jonathan watkins hello hello and danae hughes hello hello Hello. We write for Cinema Sins and TV Sins and do various other things inside the Cinema Sins universe as well. Uh, Jonathan, she's stealing your thing. Uh, it's okay. If, I, if you're <laughs> going to get your stuff stolen, Danae Hughes is a pretty good person to oh, steal you, you. your stuff. Thank My you. favorite part was how at the very end. I don't own that. At the very <laughs> end, you're like, I better add a third one so I don't get sued for copyright infringement. <laughs> Dude, I stole it. I mean, I technically, I mean, I, I pay homage Homage. To, uh, cheese you pay cheese no that's fromage oh sorry sorry i feel like every week it'll be just jonathan and i going back and forth adding one more hello you know <laughs> that'd be that's, we should we do that cut sure. to three years from now it's like it's jonathan watkins hello 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 yep and Danae Hughes, hello, 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 hello. Yep. Exactly. That's how it's all going to work. Well, hopefully three years from now, we'll still be looking at all the cool stuff that we get to write sins about, because that's what we do here. So let's go ahead and get into it with the Sin Side Scoop. What's he building in there? I've got a secret. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. This is a true story. We're going to take a look at the videos from the week, the process of sending them, how we felt about the stuff we are sending in general. Uh, Let's kick it off with commercial sins. Oscar Mayer Deli Fresh is the commercial Jeremy wrote on this one. Did Jeremy have any thoughts on the Oscar Mayer commercial for this week? Jeremy has thoughts. Do you want to hear them? Yes, Danae. That's why I asked. Why don't you read them to us? Well, (laughs) he has thoughts for the movie, but I think because of the scheduling shift... We don't have any specific thoughts for the Oscar okay. Mayer this week. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Jeremy eats bologna all the time. Just yeah. bologna for breakfast, bologna for or lunch, is he just bologna for dinner. Bologna. Oh, I can't that's remember. What it is. That's <laughs> what it is. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, Do you guys like bologna? No. This is let's not about a- bologna, but I always think of bologna when I think of Oscar Mayer. Uh-huh. I mean, let's talk about it. Uh, we can certainly give our thoughts on bologna. Uh, I used to eat bologna. Oh, I, I figured and, you did. I used to eat bologna and ketchup sandwiches all oh, the my time growing God. up. Yeah. Wow. Yep. I would think wow. mustard would be the... Well, I, the can't, I bol- can't stand mustard. I can barely stand ketchup. That's why I stopped eating them. Also, because they were gross. I don't know what, what I was thinking. Um but uh, but yeah, but it no, that was you. one of my it was one of my it, favorite sandwiches. I think it was one of those things where it was like I knew it got a reaction, and so I'd be like, "Yeah, I like bologna and ketchup," and people were like, "You're gross," and I'm like, "Yeah, I am." You're not the only kid that ate that, though. There's no, no way, I'm, no, no way. I'm sure that sure there are kids others. put like ketchup on steaks, you know. So I mean, yeah, it, people it, put ketchup it, on everything. Eggs, that's a big one. There are a lot of people who put ketchup on their eggs, and I just yeah, I don't understand you- it. And I know you're not a hot sauce person, but no. I would think that makes more sense to you than ketchup. And people will tell me, well, ketchup's like hot sauce. I'm like, no, no, not really. <laughs> no, not really. No, not the same thing. <laughs> I mean, I get the, I get where you're going with that, but it's like you're talking about something very thick and tomatoey, and, you know, I mm. don't know. It's yeah. Very uh, different. Danae, what are some of your thoughts on this commercial and the uh, sins therein? Well, I... I continue to be impressed uh, with the ability to find things wrong. There are sometimes I'll watch a TV show or a movie and I'm like, how are we going to go about this? But this one was really fun to listen to. Just mm-hmm. the perspective of um, all the different things. I, I, we were inside a refrigerator for the entire thing. Mm-hmm. And that was a little uncomfortable for me. I'm not going to lie. I realized that maybe a little bit more perspective rather than just constantly being in the refrigerator just made me feel like a little closed in i don't think i i didn't think i was claustrophobic but after watching this commercial i kept thinking i just want to get out of this refrigerator you know (laughs) Uh uh-huh sure and also this is a really clean refrigerator this is so unrealistic so i really enjoyed all the sins about how unrealistic the refrigerator experience was because we spent so much time inside of it um, but my favorite joke that I wrote down was the college girlfriend's joke, which was also also my college girlfriend's high school nickname was knock shit over trying to get to the meat. <laughs> <And> <laughs> I didn't understand it until after we'd broken up. Anyway, thought that was really clever. Yeah, and- no, I had that one too. Jonathan, what about you? Um, I just like the the ecto cooler reference mm-hmm. with the uh, the picture of green liquid. <laughs> it was just like in the background. It was like, don't be promoting heavy meat, but be drinking ecto cooler. Yep. Uh, and then I, I appreciated the, she's walking away and leaving the fridge wide open because I give my daughter an, oh my God, daily about that. Yes. Uh, what is it with doors and children? (laughs) (laughs) Close the doors. And then I just like the make every sandwich count is the, you know, the tagline with days old meat in a plastic box. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You guys mentioned, uh, all the ones that I enjoyed too. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. That's great. Um, I, I, this. I think it's these are the for me these are the most fun kind of commercials to sin because they are so uh you know production heavy and it's like it's so easy to pick out uh kind of things that are like well that's not the real world that's obviously a commercial thing um so I I really enjoy it uh well there so are cameras in everybody's fridge I didn't know well, if they knew true. that that's true yes that is true yeah that's a fair so point. every time you open the fridge you might want to have some clothes on <laughs> Or not, depending are, on what you prefer. <laughs> I remember seeing my first refrigerator that actually scans the interior of the fridge and tells you if you need to get something from the store. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I, wow. I thought, what is this world I live in now? What mm-hmm. is this place? I'm surprised Aaron doesn't have one of those. <laughs> They're pretty yeah, interesting. They like, are where interesting. you just turn the camera on and you scan through your items, you don't have to open it up, which I suppose. Kind Do they of, just know what you normally buy, or is it just. You have an inventory list and like it. 
it kind of matches stuff up hmm. to inventory and that kind of stuff. Hmm. Yeah. So yeah. Fascinating. It is. Technology is amazing. And then it drives you to the store. No, the self-driving oh, car tele- brings the, the stuff out over. <laughs> it transports the food from the grocery to the fridge and right. it's not stealing. Yes. Because it's transporting. Correct. Let's move into TV Sins for the week. Uh, another brand new Rick and Morty. Um, this would be episode five of the new season. A Mordekin Grickfeedy. Uh, Jonathan and I wrote on this one. Um, Jonathan, why don't you uh, kick us off with some of your thoughts about this episode, the writing process, uh, and uh, some sins you liked. I thought this was kind of funny. Um, I, you know, I, I'm not a, like a Hellraiser fan i i've i think i've seen the first couple movies maybe mm-hmm. the third one but i i that's definitely not uh, like a franchise i've ever like really gotten into but um i did think it was funny because i had seen at least enough of it to you know get the the humor with all the the different cenobites uh, mm-hmm. and 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 whatnot so i thought all that was kind of funny i didn't really care as much about uh morty's uh plot line with trying to impress the new kid mm-hmm. yeah uh, but Chuck Back or whatever his name was. <laughs> that was not uh, it. But uh, it was it was, it was Bruce was... Chuck Back, I believe. But <laughs> but Chuck Back is a totally different character. <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> sorry, I, I read the wrong wiki fan page. Um, but yeah, no, no, it was. But it was a really fun one to mess around with because there was a there was a lot of material uh, to uh, to take to go after. It's some of my favorite stuff. Um, we send the fruit bowl again. again. I think Danae mm-hmm. started that like back in. <laughs> I did. That, some episode. Yeah, that's one of the things I'm really. Um, Did it start was, with Rick and Morty or Friends? Because I know we've done it on uh, both. I don't know. I remember finding it on Rick and Morty because, I, and I just thought, why would anyone put fruit on the bottom shelf? It just seems so ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And so it was one of my favorite ones of the. I wrote and it it's down. Never it's moved. So funny. <laughs> it's never moved. It's there. <laughs> it's all the a time. staple. You know, I'm actually impressed with uh, Rick and Morty for doing that. Um, and I I went back into I think I went on a Reddit thread. And uh, it's always interesting to me when they build a room or something and they have like very particular posters or things mm-hmm. and they're so consistent with it. I was hoping to find some inconsistency when we send the episode where he um, the Captain Planetina episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a couple of really clear shots. I mean, obviously, the animation's gotten a little bit like crisper and such. But there's a couple of clear shots of his room where there's just posters. And I thought maybe there's some inconsistency with posters. And so I went to uh, to Reddit and like the room layout is surprisingly very, very accurate. So, yeah, they've put that fruit bowl there and that's that they're committed to it. <laughs> so, yeah, because I assume they have to reanimate that every time. Right. Do they have a so. well, I mean, maybe maybe I don't maybe know they how it a, works now. I know I there's know. some digital things that they can do in rooms, but yeah. Rick and Morty still seems fairly hand drawn to me. Yeah. Um, like so. the, just the different, you know, um, I, I always look at the things on the walls to see if they move or shift. Mm-hmm. Like there's a particular p- pictures in the kitchen or not the kitchen, but the dining room area. I think of a horse and like a flower yeah. or something. Yeah. And I always look at that and think, why, you know, why, why that there? But it doesn't seem to change very much. And I, I even looked for inconsistencies in the decoy episode because I thought that decoys would have maybe different, like slightly different things that would help us to sort of know which family we were following. Mm-hmm. Oh, neat. Yeah. But it seems to be pretty, you know, pretty consistent with what it, what it's doing. And it's definitely sinful to have a bowl of fruit on the, like just inches from the floor. And there are plenty <laughs> so. of people in the comments being like, have you ever seen like fake fruit bowls for decoration? And it's like, yes, but that doesn't there, excuse like yeah, the I idea. Mean, I why would you put, 
a fake Why would fruit you put bowl. that there? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Anyhow. It's weird. It's weird placement. That's like where you put books or records or something. I don't know. The Jurassic Park reference uh, in the show, and then the sin was explaining your references. You could be brilliant, Rick and Morty, but you're a coward. Black Swan. I just thought that was <laughs> And then Aaron sent the zippers near genitals, and um, I have so many questions um, about what really? you would prefer. <laughs> really? Are you saying it should you be like questions? buttons? Yes. Well, I mean, I guess I've never, else, I've never really buttons, thought. Sew them together. Quit putting zippers. I mean, I wouldn't want to have to like. I wouldn't want to have to like areas. take my whole pants off to, uh, you know, use the urinal. Um, I, and I do see people that do that. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. God, yeah. I hate men's rooms so much, so much. <laughs> I hate men's rooms. Uh, walk in and just see like some dude's ass. It's like, what? Go to the stall. Go to the fucking stall. <laughs> Um, this just happened at the movie theater like two weeks ago. It was crazy. Yeah. Um, but anyways, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I know what you're saying. I just, I've just never, that's never really thought, yeah, maybe they shouldn't do that. So. You know, somebody in the, the live chat is like, you know what helps protect genitals from zippers? Underwear. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Although that's still going to hurt. Like, yes, you're not wrong. I mean, that's still going to hurt, but, uh, that is true. Yeah. You, you're, you were definitely playing with danger more than most. Correct. Correct. You understand. You understand all more your, now. And all your command and all your what do you what do you guys call yourselves? Commandos or command <laughs> commanders? Commanders, <laughs> something like that. Commanders going commando. Yeah. Uh, and then I just I enjoyed the uh, getting to do the give me back that play fish, give me that fish. <laughs> yeah. Uh, outtake. That's yeah. one of my all time favorite commercials. Uh, Jonathan and I on the same wavelength today. Literally just checking off the ones I I had uh, written to I talk think, about the sins Danae, as well. But... I think Aaron uh, did not do did not <laughs> make I do notes. a screenshot of my notes yeah, here so yeah. I can prove it to you. <laughs> uh, that, I feel like that used to happen a lot because I remember you saying, "Do you take a screenshot?" What? Who was it? Was it that you used to quote like was it slab all the time or something? Do you remember? No, no. Oh, somebody a, in the comments or something in the chat. Yeah, it was some something that we did where every time it would come up, they'd be like, "That's oh, oh." It would be like, "Chat just said that." Chat just said that, and you'd be like, yeah. "Do you want me to take a screenshot of my note?" <laughs> I wish I could remember what that was for, but it happened all the time. Yeah, great minds Anyhow. think alike. But yeah. uh, as far as this episode goes, a little bit different than you, I think, Jonathan. I actually liked the Bruce Chutback plot more than the Hellraiser plot. Um, and I think the reason being is because we don't often get to see Summer and Morty kind of be in the same camp. Like they were both mm-hmm. like, we got to impress this new guy. Like there was a real camaraderie between their like, okay, let's not blow this, you know, kind of thing that we don't often get to see them in that. So I found that at least a little bit fresh, a little bit interesting. Um, as far- It was disturbing though, to find out that Summer was 100% in high school. Yeah, <laughs> no, absolutely. We were talking about that. And yes. Yeah, this is when, yep, yep. Because obviously if they're dealing with the, the same new guy at school, they're both in high school. Um, and yeah. so, yeah, so it, it does, it, it does, listen, we've talked about, we don't need to talk about it again, but the sexualization of those uh, two high school characters is, is in, if nothing else, worth um, examining, if nothing else. Um, so, you know, comedy's comedy. I get it. Uh, but uh and also, it's not like any of us are saying teens don't have sex. Like, that's not what we're saying. We're saying the sexualization of those uh, high school teenagers is worth examining. Anyhow. Well, some I, teens I, don't I, have sex, and that's okay. That's yeah, true. 
Yeah, I want to say too, I don't feel like it, it's not just the teens don't have sex. It's like how explicit it is. Mm-hmm. Like the episode where she goes with her grandfather to just literally go fuck until people die. Mm-hmm. Just that, that kind of casual reference. I, I don't know. I have opinions about that, but I just feel like, yeah, you know, wait until you're elderly to go do that. <laughs> to go do the space orgies you know wait till it wait yeah. till you're in uh retirement exactly home. exactly and you have plenty of jello exactly wait for the uh, jello hashtag and, and wait plenty, for the jello <laughs> and plenty of chlamydia shots so you don't have to <laughs> yes. worry about that wait until you're around medical care a lot <laughs> yes yeah things. that makes sense uh so danae what about you what did you think about uh, this episode and some of the sins it's always interesting to uh be completely removed from an episode we have enough kind of writing shifting happening now where i will like i won't see uh anything any part of an episode until we review it here on the show and that's something that's kind of new for us so this is one where i i went to watch the episode thinking i was going to have something to do with it and i was like what what are we doing here, Rick and Morty? Again, just a, mm-hmm. what are we doing? I was so confused about the hole in the body. Mm-hmm. Like, I, and I know we sent it, which is good, but I, I thought when I saw it that it was like the, the front half of the fish on the front and then the back mm-hmm. half on the back. And then as the show progresses, you can see through his torso, like mm-hmm. um, death becomes her style in yep. a way. And I just good was Good reference, so, Danae. Good reference. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I have seen that movie, um, but yeah, I it was I didn't know I didn't know how to feel about about this one on a lot of levels. So mm-hmm. it's one where I'm like, oh, I'm kind of glad I didn't have to send this one. Um, I, but yeah, I just thought I just thought the main thing about the cinema. I just like the whole playing around with the pleasure and pain, and that makes mm-hmm. me and yeah. that makes me pleasure. I just thought that was funny the way they kept going back and forth about that. And then, I, I, I don't did know. too, but I kept thinking, how are, how are they going to send this? Oh no, yeah, you know? was, yeah, and that's the trick about Rick and Morty is it's so intimidating. Every time I get assigned one, I'm like, oh yep. gee. And there's a couple coming up too where I wasn't assigned going, how are they going to do this? And then, you know, we find our way through it. But this was yep. definitely that oh, part of and, it was one of it. And Aaron wrote the sin about being turned on by Cenobite Beth. I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> I did not write that. <laughs> that, is, that is an Aaron. I don't know what you fetish. mean by turned on. The narrator's just <laughs> saying she's a cartoon. I don't understand why. Why that has to relate to sex, but yeah, yeah I don't know. Uh, you guys mentioned some of them. The only t- uh, there's a couple more that I, I I like our self-referential sins, and there was a couple in this one that I really enjoyed. The lead-in on this one was uh, saying, "Except I don't get pleasure from mocking others because I'm not lame." And then the response to that from the narrator is just this sort of nervous laughter because they're <laughs> yeah. like, "Oh yeah, we don't we don't get a pleasure from mocking others." Yeah, it was just really funny. Yeah. Uh, and then the other self-referential one that I enjoyed was the TV sense motto somehow making its way into the episode being "cringe cannot exist in a vacuum; it needs to be observed." Mm-hmm. And I, we actually do have that poster up in our walls. So that's right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's a standard issue when you join the team. It's just you, we send you a little welcome to the sins packet, and that that's part of the thing. <laughs> you just kind of have a little banner that goes up above wherever you work. <laughs> yep. Which is why we have assigned Danae uh, the rest of the office episodes to write so yeah. little. Um, we send so. because we care. That's right. Yeah. All right, we can move on to the latest Loki. Uh, we are at episode four of the Loki series, the Nexus event. 
Um, so yeah, this was myself and Daniel writing on this one. Did Daniel have any thoughts about this episode or some of uh, his favorite sins? Uh, Daniel says, my thoughts on this episode are pretty much the same as my overall impression of the season as a whole. I felt it was enjoyable to watch, but lacks the kind of energy I was hoping to get from a show centered around Loki. There are interesting surprises, but nothing that left me craving more. The timekeeper reveal felt flat because they had been teasing for a while that things were not exactly as they appeared to be. My interest peaked when they pruned Loki, but that was quickly reversed. Um, In writing, this sin came together in a fun and interesting way. And the sin was, uh, why does this not resonate with Mobius? He may believe that Loki is not entirely lying, but I feel like the show has spent a lot of time establishing so much distrust between these two characters that their friendship at the stage is very unlikely. Um, Then the sin kind of evolves from there and describes the type of friendship that you can see playing out. And mm-hmm. being interesting, which is a, a take on, oh, what was the movie? Um, Lethal Weapon. Lethal Weapon, yes. Uh, so Daniel kind of goes more <laughs> into the behind the sins of that and says, I wanted to highlight how the friendship felt rushed, but they also have a fun buddy cop vibe going on, which immediately made me think of Riggs and Murtaugh from Lethal Weapon. The original idea was to have the narrator ramble on with oddly specific requirements regarding what it takes to create an, a believable friendship. And then at the end, he was going to say something along the lines of, oh, crap, that's just Lethal Weapon. But during the combine, Aaron cleaned up the dialogue and Danae came up with the magnificent idea of using Mobius and Loki's head cutouts to show the action activity that was being described. It really took off from there. And then uh, Caitlin, which is one of the editors, did an amazing job editing the clip and became uh, it became much more than I ever envisioned. And I cried a little the first time I saw it. <laughs> That's, That's so amazing. cool. That was my favorite part. Was it? Yeah. Of the video, yeah. yeah. It's so funny because I haven't seen the movie. So I lacked a lot of the references, which is one of the reasons why I was like, should we do something visual, you know, for those of us who maybe haven't seen it or would, I genuinely didn't understand the reference at all. I thought this is a really interesting, like long explanation story, but what does it mean? And then they're like, oh, it's from a movie. And so that's kind of where it's like, well, should we be more on the nose with it and just put their heads on these moments? Yeah, I mean, I think obviously there's always going to be people that'll get something, but I think that's a popular enough movie. And especially the the tropes are well known and, uh, you know. I mean, just so. right over my head. Um, yeah, it's, we, you, do you remember us talking about that movie on this show like a few months ago because we send it? Nope. <laughs> nope. Today only exists in the now. That is, that is... Um, he goes on to say, send shout out. He says, I was super jealous of this one. Sick, twisted, aren't we supposed to love ourselves? People spend millions of dollars searching for this kind of therapeutic breakthrough. <laughs> Get yeah. bent, Mobius, but only in a way that turns and reconnects it to itself so it ends up with only one true side and a single boundary curve. Science jokes! This is one of my favorites, too. <laughs> he says, I was super jealous of this one. I had been trying to come up with a Mobius strip sin, but I had nothing, and this one was just perfect. And that's what he wrote Thanks, about <laughs> Loki. Yeah, the science joke thing was funny to me That's because so I didn't funny. get the joke. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I did laugh. <laughs> well, it's it was goal. one of those situations where I felt like the joke could have ended with the Mobius strip kind of thing, but that there, I felt like there would be enough people who wouldn't get it that it that it would be fun to add just that little tag so they n- knew it was something related to you know Mobius and science and and that kind of thing. So gotcha. 
but it seemed to work. I, I enjoyed it. No, it um, worked. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. It was really great. I laughed at that one. Science jokes. Uh huh. Um, and that's something this narrator has continued to do in a couple other scripts, maybe at least one where it's like, you know, such and such jokes, you know, just kind of that, that mm-hmm. tag or whatever. So that's kind of a fun thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, I had that one. I, uh, I also had, uh, let's see. Um, well, I guess I should say what I, I felt about the, the show first. Um, this is where it really started to get me back. Uh, I mentioned I had a little bit of lull in episode three and episode four. I really started to fall in love with the stuff they were doing with the relationship that Loki was having to himself. So, for instance, that therapy sin that, that was already mentioned really comes from this idea that, you know, what is going on here is a real self-exploration that that none of us get to do because we don't get to exist with other versions of ourselves, right? So, you know, there's this real interesting thing the show is is doing with learning how to love yourself, learning how to accept your flaws, who you are, like there's just a lot of that interesting stuff and it really starts to pick up steam here. Um, it also zooms us at the end into some really new places that we haven't been yet. Um, and you could argue, in fact, too quickly, um, you know, it would have been nice to, to maybe, especially the, um, the pruning that happens back to back almost between Mobius and Loki. You could argue that they needed to do that to Loki in the next episode so that we could live with the Mobius Mm -hmm. pruning a little bit more in, in, um, before we immediately got Loki pruning and going, okay, well, it must not be that big of a deal. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, uh, this is an interesting episode for me. Um, as far as scenes that I liked, I did like, uh, the ones that were mentioned. Um, also the, uh, why aren't you exploring, walk around, look for flaws. You're a yeah. Loki for Odin's sake. Um, and then being able to reference Mist and Riven, uh, which are two of my favorite puzzle games. Um, I, I just think it's so true. Like Loki wouldn't just stand there and take it. Like he would be you know, searching for, you know, the boundaries of the area, like how it works. And he just sit, stands there and gets, you know, kicked in the jubblies a few times. So like, you know, he'd be doing other things. Um, like running. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, running anything. Away. Anything. <sighs> um, so yeah, I enjoyed that one as well. This was a really fun one uh, to write on. Um, Jonathan, what about you? Uh, I mean, I agree with what Daniel said about the, the problems with this episode. So, uh, mm-hmm. I think he said that pretty nicely, uh, much better than I could. I would have just said it sucked, but you know, <laughs> uh, and then as far as the, uh, sins, I mean, the whole lady Sif is a dick to Loki, uh, routine mm-hmm. was, uh, was very funny. Yeah. Um, and then you, he, he mentioned the lethal weapon stuff that had me dying and the science jokes and was great. The only other one I had written down was according to the show, what makes a Loki a Loki is the British accent. Lokis can be anything as long as they sound like they're from London. <laughs> that was very funny. Yeah. This, uh, this episode for me was, um, you know, another kind of interesting one again, where I'm trying to kind of get into the show and figure out what it all means and where it's going. And, I still don't know that I was fully engaged at this point in time. Um, so I don't know. I think overall uh, the the reveal kind of at the end, I agree, was was lackluster. I remember whenever I saw them on the screen, I was like, oh, this is going to be fun to just send the shit out of these timekeepers. And then they were like these animatronic, you know, something from it's a small world after all. Mm-hmm. Which was purposeful, and that's what I didn't like about them. It's like, this just feels so 
like puppetry and then it was puppetry so then i was immediately disappointed i'm like oh well, we can't send that because it was on purpose <laughs> <laughs> um but to kind of I, there's something about this show and i i've not wanted to say it because i don't there's something about this show that it's it's almost bigger than it is uh than it should be and i've been trying to kind of put into words what i mean by that but the fight scenes and it almost is just so over the top compared to the story itself, which is like a more kind of slow paced feel story. So even the fight scenes, fight scenes just feel to me like it's all overdone. The running, the way that the last episode ended that we send where they're like running through this end scene and then, you know, like the 10 minutes of nothing happening at the end. It just all feels like the show feels like it's bigger than it actually is is and i think that's what daniel means when he says he kind of expected more uh more action more i don't know i just at this point in the show i'm still like i'm just i'm not comfortable with what i'm watching yet i'm not there yet so mm -hmm. i really enjoyed the sense like uh if i paid more attention to physics i could explain why these two massive celestial, celestial objects so close together should be wreaking more havoc than this calm scene would suggest like mm -hmm. There's just these things happening. It just doesn't feel right. There's something that's just off about the show for me. Um, I, I love that sin, by the way, you know, uh, that they're on this planet that's supposed to be, you know, exploding at any moment. And then ends with just like, why is this lake so calm? Mm -hmm. um, the Lady Sif is a dick to Loki. That whole series of uh, dick jokes and was brilliant. And I loved that. I loved listening to Aaron, your delivery of how or wow or sound. like that was just really fun. <laughs> um, and the sin that ends in the world, just child with the kid that just takes a temp pad and magically makes it work. I thought that was really well done as well. So yeah, good job. Good job. There you go. That is Loki, the Nexus event that moves us into music video sins. Lord with a new video out uh, solar power. Uh, did Barrett have any thoughts on solar power? He sure, dude. He says, um, Lord is a national treasure, even though she's not from our nation. She has amazing perspective for an artist that became incredibly famous around 16. She and Billie Eilish look like they've fared better, though, uh, through that process than other than many unfortunate cases, male and female and have that have come before them. Anyway, the song was introduced to me by Jeremy and I kind of hated it at first. And then one day the hook at the end clicked with me and I was singing it in my house while running around in my swimsuit like Lord does. I think the video is unintentionally hilarious, but with the pagan weirdness, um, the hippie imagery that's all over the place and the fact that no one smiles during the entire thing is uh, strange. Um, it's overly, it's overall fine, I guess. And I will likely become somewhat a classic. It will likely, I can't read. It will likely become somewhat of a classic. I don't know why. I just have that feeling, but I don't think it has a lot to say. My favorite sin was the one about the flimsy ass tarp. Mm. Mm -hmm. uh, Danae, why don't you go into uh, your thoughts? I hate the song. Really? Like, what do you hate about it? I like Lord a lot. I just. Oh, I'm just like, get away from me. Stop <laughs> making that noise. Um, I don't know. It just didn't feel like there was much to it. I didn't feel like yeah. uh, it wasn't the Lord that I fell in love with. And you know what? Sometimes musicians just do things that are different than that first song you hear. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. I, I don't expect musicians to never. Uh, you can't keep doing the same thing over and over again. I respect right. that. But there was something about the first time I heard Lord was... um. 
I read an obscure blog and someone said, there was like someone who said, um, if you like that, you might like Lord. She's like, no one even knows about her. And I clicked on it and went to SoundCloud and I, uh, it was Royals, I believe. And I was like, this is going to blow up. And it was before it did. And um, there was just something about the way that it was put together and something about the way that she delivered it that just felt different than this. This feels like one of those summer hits that you make just to make a song. And I loathe this song. <laughs> there you go. Um, Tell it like it is. But I did enjoy the this group is so granola. I can smell patchouli through the screens mm-hmm. in quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I didn't hate the song. Um, I don't love it either. It would probably have to grow on me uh, uh, quite a bit. I find the lyrics uh, a little abstract and vaguely sexual, and I'm not exactly sure what she's going for. Um, you yeah, know, w- with the ideas that she's presenting, it's very poetic. You know, it's but the thing about like a song like Royals is like I felt like I understood like the vibe and what and what was even those those lyrics are also poetic. There's a real sense of like eat the rich class warfare like there's a there's you can really understand what's going on and maybe i just need more time with this um to really figure out what what the solar power thing is in reference to it it seems like self-actualization in some ways but it also seems um a bit apathetic so i'm, I'm just not sure how to like uh, justify those things um sin wise passing the tusk uh made me <laughs> laugh quite a bit um and then the uh, we'll always have royals where the sin is about, you know, it know. being a good run. Yeah. Um, it's time to return Lord to the sea from whence she came. Yeah. So and then funny. the narrator kind of breaks up a little bit. It says, we'll always have royals. Oh, and that outtake was fun, too. Oh, that outtake, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Step back up. Now back down. Step back up. <laughs> yeah. I don't so even good. know what that's from, but that was great. Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Sure was. That's Paul yep. Rudd. Oh, yep. I see. Oh, I see. Uh, two quotes we've already said from forgetting Sarah Marshall, uh, on this episode already, uh, cause it isn't the London quote from, uh, yes. from forgetting Sarah Marshall. As That's well. also Paul Rudd. That is also Paul Rudd. Uh, Jonathan, your thoughts on this song and the, uh, uh the video. Oh, I'm on team Danae. This song's terrible. Uh, yeah. You are? Okay. Yeah. I kind of felt weird I, saying it. No, I think this song's terrible. Um, and I, you know, I haven't listened to a lot of Lord. I mean, obviously, I I know Royals, and Royals is a really cool song. But I don't know that I know much else by her, honestly. Is it possible we'll look back at her as like a one-hit wonder? Yeah, it's possible. Like, a, mean, did she have like another big hit other than Royals? I was thinking yeah, she did. Uh, there was a couple songs that came out at the same time. Um, okay. And I think this one is, I think this one's doing fine. Well, I mean, it's I doing think, fine yeah. in the moment, but then like 10 years from now, like, will anybody no. remember anything other than, you know, Royals? Like, I just, I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, That's maybe. not a diss well, either. There are a lot of great one hit wonders. Like, it's it's fine. And I feel like... Um, it's one more hit than I've ever written. So uh, Yeah, exactly. Um, I feel like sometimes you have a writing partner or you have someone that you work in conjunction with that it something comes from it that's really really uh amazing you know and then you have other projects that just don't involve those same people and i'm wondering too if that was kind of part of what made mm-hmm. royal so mm-hmm. special is that she had some creative partners that helped to bring that together whereas this song just feels like i don't know it feels like when you make it and you, you have a name that people recognize and then you can just put something out that is just words God, I hate this song so much. <laughs> it's so hard for me to say that too, but I just was like the first time I heard it. It, feel, 
because I was like, oh, a new song from Lord. Okay. And I clicked on it. And I was just like, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. Well, no, maybe no. some, then maybe expectations play a little bit into maybe. your loathing as well. Yeah. Like you want so much sure. more. If this was for sure. If this was like track five that never, you know, was, yeah. or was like the third or fourth single or something, there maybe you maybe you have a different. But I still don't think I'd like it. But I could be wrong. Yeah. Uh, as far as the sins, you guys mentioned a couple of them, but I did like the uh, they were all like lined up on the beach or whatever, and it was oh cool, we're just in time for the midday pagan ritual. I hear they're planning on doing a ritual sacrifice of Lana Del Rey next Tuesday. And then her, uh, I can't remember what it is she says right at the very end. Oh, she says solar power, right? Is that what she says? And it's like where, where, wherever the hell that evil voice came from. (laughs) I thought was really funny. Yeah, it was such a weird delivery. Yeah, it's it's weird. It made me uncomfortable in not Uh not the good ways. Yes, yeah. The narrator (laughs) as well, obviously. (laughs) Yep. I think we can move on to uh, cinema sins. Under Siege has been sinned. Uh, Ian and Daniel. Uh, we got yeah, a newbie script. Uh, yeah, Barrett in on this one uh, as well. Yep. Um, so, yeah. who uh, Did all of them have something to say? Are you going to be reading for a while? Tell us what they had to say about this one. I'll start with Barrett since I still have the screen up from him. I He says, I'd seen Under Siege exactly uh, 47.2 years ago before I send it. And I was expecting it to be bargain basement bad, like many Seagal movies. But because you have an interesting, albeit way over the top, villain in Tommy Lee Jones, and the movie is smart enough to focus more on him than Seagal or Seagal, Seagal, I think it may uh, it makes it watchable, even enjoyable. Maybe a nice action movie. One thing that interested me about this movie is how many of the bit players also show up in Andrew Davis's classic from the following year, The Fugitive. Not only Tommy Lee, but one of his crew is featured in one of the escaped con as one of the escaped cons. One of the sailors is a detective and the private that guards Seagal is uh, Tommy Lee's protege and fugitive. One thing I'll note is this was an absolute pleasure to write with a new crew, Daniel and Ian. Everyone had absurdly funny stuff and it was a joy to work on this script. Nice. Daniel sales. I saw this movie many years ago as a child due to the lack of parental controls on premium cable at the time. (laughs) Nice. I remember thinking it was an uh, exciting action flick and the whole thing taking place on a battleship was really cool. Upon rewatching, I can confirm it is an action movie and it takes place on a boat. That's great. The best part of the movie is just how insane the performances by Tommy Lee Jones and Gary Busey are. Uh, writing. So one interesting part about writing on the script was reading about the USS Missouri, along with the general history of the boat's service from World War II to the Gulf War. I learned that the USS Missouri had at least two sizes of guns, five inch and 16 inch, a fact that the characters in the movie seemed to be confused about. And that yielded the following sin, which was so they still have ammo for the 16 inch guns, but not the five inch guns. If that was the case, why the fuck did they spend any time talking about the five inch guns? Uh, Sin shout out was Ian did a great job with this one. Um, and the sin was look by all accounts. Ryback is exactly the patriot, a patriot. Any country's attack force should be pleased to have. Okay, he's not above the law, but by yeah, all accounts, one of my favorites. the man has clearly been marked for death while on dangerous ground on multiple occasions and has reacted with maximum conviction, remaining hard to kill and relying on his code of honor to ensure victory is always out of reach of America's great enemies. And you know so what? Good. All of it would all of all it would take is an executive decision to give this mercenary absolution. 
it's so great because not only does he get everything in there, like everything makes sense. Like the, the whole paragraph works. Uh, yeah, that's a, yeah. It's really well done. Uh, he uh, Daniel says to that he was super impressed by the way he weaved in all of the movie's titles yeah. into that sin. So that, and there is a Seagal movie called Absolution. I looked it up. I yes. was like, you can. That's <laughs> there you go. That's crazy. Um. So. Ian says, for some reason, I watched this film at least once a year growing up. I sometimes wonder if my dad was deliberately trying to make sure I had terrible taste in movies. <laughs> it was an interesting experience to send a film that for my sins I grew up with. And therefore, I had a lot of familiarity. This is a bad movie. Steven Seagal is a bad actor. This makes it easy for TLJ to steal the show but he still turns in a bonkers performance that I really enjoy. The fundamental problem with this movie is the elaborate ass, a bullio, flim, Fleming. Thanks Ian. A weapon stealing plan. I'm no expert, but there has to be an easier way to steal a nuclear weapon, to steal nuclear weapons than throwing a fake birthday party for your captain. So you can sneak in a damned helicopter full of mercenaries weapons and miles o'brien from tng onto the boat just so that you can shoot said captain in his office and imprison the crew god this movie should be stricken from movie history just based on gary Busey's offensive ass dress-up scene but hey this movie has a genuine playboy model in it so all is well boobies uh he says i also i have to give a shout out to my steven seagal movie montage tribute um, like Jean-Claude Van Damme and Nicolas Cage, Seagal has some of the most gener- generic-ass movie titles on record. So generic that it was easy to turn them into not just a sentence, but a fucking paragraph. Sometimes with these type of sins, you feel like you're stretching the joke, but this one felt very natural, and I think it flowed really well, and I'm excited to see if anyone can beat 11 movie references in one sin. <laughs> <laughs> Gauntlet thrown. I know, I was just thinking that. Yeah. Ian said a lot of things that were wrong in that uh, in that summary, but the worst thing he did was say Miles O'Brien from TNG. That man deserves to be Miles O'Brien from Deep Space Nine. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> whoa, okay. whoa, whoa, gauntlets. Oh, so much. Th- okay. Uh, uh, he, Ian and I are going to have words. I'm excited for that conversation. <laughs> um, he finishes up by saying, uh, the sin, if needed, uh, look, by all accounts, Ryback is exactly the patriot. Oh, oh, okay, okay. He actually referenced sin. Okay, okay, okay. Um, oh, he finishes up here. Oh, here it is. Here it is. Also, yes, and also in an email format, Daniel's I'll be Ryback and movie has time for Commander Krill to not have time for this. We're freaking genius and hilarious. So, so good. <laughs> Yep. I love I, agree. The, I love that one. The movie has time for Commander Krill to not have time for this. That was such a nice turn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was a great one. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Jonathan, sounds like you've got some things to say about Under Siege. Why don't you say them? Oh, no. It's funny, though. I feel like, you know, people always say I'm the one defending horror movies. I feel like I have to defend action movies more than anything on this freaking podcast. Uh, this is a really good movie. I, I have no idea. I, I, I don't know. This is a really good movie. And what's weird is this is a really smart movie. Um, I think the main reason, though, it is, is because of Andrew Davis. I, I think Andrew Davis is a really good director. Um, you know, he he actually brought, I mean, he directed Seagal's first movie, Above the Law, a few years before this, and uh, has a lot to do with Seagal even becoming a star at all. And then, you know, Seagal did like four movies before this. I think he did Above the Law, Hard to Kill, Out for Justice, and Mark for Death. And um, 
those were all like modest hits and uh, all okay in their own right. But uh, this movie like made him a star, like a movie star. And then he royally screwed that up pretty quickly after this. But I think Andrew Davis has everything to do with that. I think Andrew Davis knows how to use actors in a way that I think he knows he knows how to find the strengths in a lot of these guys. I mean, he he made a movie in the mid 80s called. Uh, um, oh, my God. All of a sudden, I can't think of what that movie's called. How dare um, you? How dare you? It's a Chuck Norris movie. It's that like means today and I both know we're just not telling you so we can yeah. watch you squirm. Yeah, it's an important part of our that. show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where, where you, have we just, you have to grow. You have to grow as a person, Jonathan. Yeah. So. Co- Code of Silence. Yeah, which, that's it. Uh, yeah, which is pretty mm-hmm. easily Chuck Norris's best movie. Uh, some people would argue it's Chuck Norris's only good movie, um, and that too, I think. I just think Andrew Davis is a really good action director, and I think he does a lot of smart things with this movie. Uh, I think he uses Seagal in the right way. I think Tommy Lee Jones. I think without this movie, I don't know that we get Tommy Lee Jones in The Fugitive, uh, which would be a disgrace, right? Because mm-hmm. I mean, that ends up being one of the most memorable characters ever. Now, he did work with Tommy Lee Jones on a movie a couple years before this called The Package which is a really underrated movie yeah, with uh, Tom, Tommy Lee Jones and Gene Hackman. But, uh, and then Gary Busey is just insanity on a platter. Uh, like he should be. Um, I don't know. I think this movie's good, especially when you think about the die hard on a blank movies. I think this mm-hmm. is pretty easily one of the better ones. Um, yeah. So yeah, no, I think, I think this is an interesting movie. I think also it probably kicks off kind of what the nineties action movies become. Uh, for some people, that might be a bad thing. I don't know. But uh, I, I think this is, I don't know. I think this is a good movie. So maybe I'm alone. Yeah, you might be. Oh, in my <laughs> sins. I mean, it made a shit ton of money. Somebody liked it's true. it. true. Somebody liked it. Uh, so my sins, um, I did love when the captain is talking to Gary Busey. And it says, tonight, the role of Vladimir Putin will be played by Patrick O'Neill. Gary Busey will be playing the United States. We are sorry for any inconvenience. Mm-hmm. Um. I like bitching about your boss after killing him. It really should just be one or the other. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> that is funny. And then I love when Krill says, the Gary Busey character says, you have done a good job at this point, but you are now relieved of duty. And then the sin is, this is the politest threat at gunpoint in the history of hostile takeovers. Mm-hmm. Maybe Krill has taken that performance review to heart after all. Yeah. And um, and then, oh, and I love them sending the kiss at the end because that is weird as hell. Because the whole movie, I mean, Seagal and er- Erica Laniac, who actually is quite good in this, uh, even though she's got kind of a, at least early on, kind of a weird, thankless role. You don't even understand why she's there, which is also a good sin. But I love that they send that him and Seagal and her kiss because they do have kind of like a brother-sister, mother, uh, father-daughter relationship throughout like the entire movie. And mm-hmm. then at the randomly at the last second, he just kisses her. And it's like, oh, so. Yeah. That was fun for me. Yeah, good stuff. Um, I have not seen Under Siege recently enough to uh, back you up, Jonathan, but I do remember uh, thinking it was a fairly decent action movie back in the day when I saw it. Um, I wonder if if a lot of this is, not a lot of it, maybe a little of it is generational, that there are just some, there are some things that make something a bad movie for uh, a generation that didn't live through 80s action movies and learn, you know, like why those are enjoyable, how they're enjoyable. So when, you know, somebody sees those kind of things, it could be, okay, that hasn't aged well. Uh, This part is, you know, because that dressing up and drag thing, you know, is 
it stands out like oh, a sore thumb saying, now. Right, yeah. No, I'm no. not saying this is perfect. No, 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 no. I, and I understand yeah. that. But what I'm saying yeah. is, so I think there are elements, even like acting styles change through the years, right? And so if you're not tuned into a certain type of acting style, it can seem like it's just bad. Um, we also, we didn't quite know Seagal was a big piece of shit either at that point. Right. So, I mean, that probably doesn't help the movie, the fact that Steven Seagal is, and, and Andrew Davis did not become like a household name as a director, even right. after doing The Fugitive. So, right. I, I I think Seagal hurts this movie quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, you know, Seagal the person. Right. Correct. So, you see things like that, yeah. the fact that the female you know character is there to be exploited and not really used well and like you you add all that stuff together and you go okay that's a bad movie but for someone like us who you know has certain things we appreciate about action um you can look at it from a different perspective and a different angle and go you know here's what i love about this which i think is part of the beauty of film um and you know the beauty of revisiting film and understanding it and I would argue, like I said, I think Erica Laniac's actually quite good in this. And mm-hmm. they once they get past that whole cake part, which, you know, that's a job she, her character takes. I mean, it's mm-hmm. not like, you know, uh, you know, I, I don't know. Her and Seagal have a pretty fun back and forth kind of thing going on. But then they make it weird by having them yeah. kiss at the end. But uh, but yeah. But yeah. No, I know what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So I just wonder if that's part of it. As far as like sins go, um, the, the idea, I, I loved the part where... Here's what the sin is. The movie expects us to believe that strict naval protocol can be overruled because of, wait, what's this guy's name? Seriously? And then he just says, because of (laughs) Seaman Johnson's boner? That just enslaved me. That the narrator would be just like taken aback by how well the name works with the sin that he's giving. Um, I loved the running gag of like what in the name of Poseidon's perineum. Like the idea that the, the narrator kept finding different like, you know, um, I, I forget all the difference, but different like gods and different body parts. I like I just I really appreciated like the alliteration and the wordplay on some of those. Uh, it is likely the only time uh, you will ever hear the phrase Poseidon's perineum uh, in your life. <laughs> um, and I loved that. Uh, the all these bird call signs and nobody was brave enough to use seagull. Um, <laughs> that was, that was beautiful. Um, and then the one sin after a, uh, clearly it was a dude that wrote this, uh, the sin was just male screenwriters writing for women. Um, it was just beautiful. Oh yeah. The line was Steven Seagal said, aren't you down with women's lib? And she said yeah. something like only when it helps me or something yeah, like yeah. that. I can't remember. Yeah. And it's just perfect when it works in my advantage or something. Yeah. That's totally a male screenwriter. Uh, and then, uh, the I'll be right back, uh, had to mention that as well, even mm-hmm. though it's already been mentioned. Um, love that too. Danae, what about you? I don't know this movie. I don't want to know this movie, but here's some sins I enjoyed. <laughs> um, now I know why you're a cook. You hit like, and then it just gives a hundred sins for us being able to extrapolate mm-hmm. where it goes from there. Right. Um, I mean, uh, you follow Krill's orders as the lead in. You're going to go to the break man, use your head, uh, go get my pies out of the oven. And the sin is movie makes me care more about these pies than I do about anything else in the story. <laughs> um, I had that down too. Hell, I say keep the plot, but move the whole thing to a French bakery and make the villain that food critic from Ratatouille. Yes. It's just fun, fun stuff. Um, the lead in is four minutes ahead of schedule. Damn, I'm good. And then the, the sin response is you could have been 40 minutes ahead of schedule ass hat and said, you've been stage mouth fucking harmonica. It's just like, Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and then there's like this moment, I guess, that, that they put her into a locker. And so he's uh, the Seagal is saying to her, like, believe me, this is the safest place that you could possibly be. And then like kind of shoves her in a locker and like she's trapped in this locker in a ship. And the sin just points out that Ryback forces Jordan into the locker instead of just saying, wait here and hide in the locker if you hear anyone coming. <laughs> <laughs> like, Which, yeah, uh, yeah I, women being treated like women in action movies, just women. Like we are often just, you know, like literally grabbed and moved into position. And I, I just I fucking hate that stuff. Uh, she kicks a lot of ass later, though. Oh, does she? Mm-hmm. OK. All right. Well, then. That's cool. <laughs> uh, she saves his life. In fact, she oh, shoots. God. She shoots. Spoiler alert: Chief Miles O'Brien from fucking TNG. Oh uh, <laughs> man, the spice, the heat. No, oh, it's fine. Oh. He was on TNG first, but he should be more known for Deep Space Nine now. But you know, okay. whatever. What are you? Hey, do? real quick, since I don't know if we'll ever send it, Under Siege Two: Dark Territory, which came out like three years after this, mm-hmm. also quite good. Uh, one of my all-time favorite uh, bad guy teams. They just took a bunch of like great character actors that played villains. At that, I don't know why more action movies don't do this. In fact, they took like five or six character actors that played a lot of villains at that time and just put them in the movie together to go up against Seagal. And uh, also early, um, what's her name from Grey's Anatomy who pissed off everybody? Oh yeah, that Catherine one. Catherine Heigl. Yep, yep. Early young young Catherine Heigl plays uh, plays his niece. I think it's his niece. Interesting. I've never seen that one. It's a Uh, lot of fun. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. You know what else is a lot of fun? Uh, The Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs movies. Um, We send Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs 2. That was a Jeremy and uh, me script. That was our team. We did uh, the first one too, I think. Jeremy and I send the first one together as well. Um, So yeah, revisiting the Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs movie. What did Jeremy have to say about this one? He says, I think the best thing I can say about Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs 2 is that it made me want a fucking onion. <laughs> that was my favorite sin. Uh, just the, just the, just the, the adoration, just the pure uh, onion lust. Oh my God. Yeah. It was insane. He then yeah. goes on to say my favorite sins by saying my favorite sin I wrote was the one about wanting to fuck the onions. <laughs> <laughs> He says, I didn't do any research for that one. (laughs) 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 Mm -hmm. Um, And then in parentheses, he finishes up. I would write more, but I'm positive Dice will cover all of this just fine. The movie is repeating the first film only with even worse food puns. And it has some surprisingly gross or horrific moments. It's every bit as bland as the first one was fun. Mm hmm. Yeah, that last sentence is a great way to say it. Uh, I actually really enjoyed Cloudy uh, with a Chance of Meatballs 2 the first time I saw it. Watching it with uh, a sin lens on, I became very aware very quickly of how lazy this sequel is. And that's unfortunate because the first one was so fresh and interesting and fun. Um, and this one just takes everything about the first one and tries to do it again and maybe put a little bit of spin on it. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's unfortunate because you could, it does this thing that animated sequels do that I hate, which is, it's like, oh, we've got to use all the exact same characters, even though they came into the first story in their own unique and fresh way, 
maybe we'll add two or three you, you know new characters, but everyone from the first one has to be back and because people liked it. And those moments that people liked in the first one have to happen here. Ice Age is the worst at this. It just keeps adding characters and using all the same characters and uh it's just it's, Oh my god, I saw the I saw the trailer for uh Seeing 2, which I guess is coming out this yes, fall. Yeah. That looks like the exact same thing. Like it's, it's just, just I get it. People like the characters from the first movie, but how about you use the universe and use like a couple primary characters and then and introduce a whole new group of, you know, how are, about you make the movie Aaron wants to see? <laughs> that's how about right. you do that? Listen, studio? at the end of the day, call me, please. <laughs> um some of the uh the sins I like, uh obviously the onion one was very, very funny. Um in case you confuse it with a new flavor of Mountain Dew, uh really liked that one. Uh in relation to um I forget what the exact uh words were, but uh for the city, but it just it sounded so much like a strange flavor of Mountain Dew. Um the caffeine stations every five miles and then the sin is just sounds like Earth. Um I really liked that one. Uh, this joke was funny in the first movie is probably, you know, the, the biggest sin of this movie is how many jokes it just remakes that the first, uh, movie made. So I wanted to, to mention that, um, because that ends with was probably the working title for this film. Uh, and then the, uh, Tower of Babish, uh, pun <laughs> where, uh, all the food, foodimals can all of a sudden talk to each other. Um, it was like the Tower of Babel, but for food. Tower of Babish, um, like that one as well. Uh, what about you guys? Uh, Danae, why don't you start? Okay, I will start. Uh, uh, I've not seen this movie before, so but it looks like I just don't need to. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do think the animation looks very interesting, and I love mm -hmm. uh, the vibrancy of the colors. And I think it would be fun to see foods coming to life for a kid, so I can see why they'd want to repeat it. But, of course, you kind of wish that they would get a mm -hmm. little bit more clever or what have you so but i think if you have a fun world that you build to want to go back and visit it is just a normal thing so um i guess sometimes sometimes you just can't expect a lot from specific franchises mm -hmm. i really like this another film by a lot of people uh, that was kind of uh adorable uh the sin being like here's a line that takes the place of the credits and it's a genius idea but then they actually do five minutes of credits at the end so yeah, if you're going to say, here's a film by a lot of people, then you don't need to run the credits at the end, right? Like, you already took care of it. <laughs> I would want my name on a credit if I was involved in a movie, I'm just saying. <laughs> um, after he tastes the frosting, and this in his test tasting brown stuff you find on your child's body, uh, mm -hmm. that made my skin crawl, having a child, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. that's just... I've seen this happen in real life. <sighs> I've oh, seen, my God. I've seen my father-in-law taste oh test substances on an infant. Yeah. No. Yeah, See, I won't. No. He thought it was chocolate eat. pudding. Oh I won't my even, god! Yeah, I won't even eat after my kid. There's no way I'm <laughs> taking something off her body and making sure. No, um, I, yeah, happy ending. It was chocolate pudding. Um, but I was just like, nope, you don't taste test that. No, you sniff test it first. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Use your nose, lift whatever body part to your face, smell mm -hmm. it, and then proceed. Continue with caution. Continue with caution. <laughs> You, I just feel like you can tell the difference between chocolate pudding and poo, but maybe I'm wrong. Hey, I don't know. but if you're wrong, you're but if you're, you're wrong, wrong in a very bad way. <laughs> so so bad. And why oh, would you want? God. No, no, it's gross. It's all that's gross. Anyway. Why would you want to eat chocolate pudding off of your? You know, uh, that's what I'm saying. I wouldn't even anyway. share a cup of chocolate pudding with my kids. I'm not. I'm not eating after her. She's gross. You know, she's a mm -hmm. kid. 
Yeah. I I mean, yeah. I have a situation where I have a very, very sensitive skin. And so if Iris just touches my skin, I have a mm-hmm. breakout there because of her little grubby hands. And we wash yeah. them regularly, but God knows where. Like the yeah, other day. Yeah, and kids, man. I mean, she, she's just touching things and it's just good. Just don't touch my face. <laughs> she'll also the couch and she'll say she really wants me to watch this part of a show. She'll reach up and she'll grab my face and she'll turn my chin and she'll say, watch this and don't look away until I tell you. And I'm just like, stop touching my face. I love mm-hmm. you. Don't touch my face. <laughs> She's, yes. I, I'm probably creating some sort of weird and, thing yeah, with her people, about it. People are probably going to take it the wrong way. My daughter is not. My daughter does like bathe and stuff. Like she's not like gross <laughs> in that way. I'm just saying kids in general kind of gross that's all i'm saying like they sure. get they get their hands into things and they don't yeah. automatically go watch we could even and they say, mix they mix foods and we could even say humans in general pretty oh, gross. yeah that's true pretty gross i i i love that the whole by the way the whole like uh we've got to say whether or not we bathe ourselves and our kids that that's become like a, a, a thing celebrity that thing, articles yeah. are getting written on is mm-hmm. so i'm just i'm just i'm more, more I'm business sad, people <laughs> i'm sadder every day about yeah. our our world <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, the other one I liked was the the boat leaking and then the uh, VeggieTales reference. Like movie accidentally goes full VeggieTales and you never go full VeggieTales. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was just, good. Mm-hmm. Um, the question of our friends better than inventions. Like, uh, look, I love you, Josh, but I'm tr- I'm trading you for was it penicillin every mm-hmm. day of the week, buddy? I loved mm-hmm. that. It was just yeah. kind of fun. Um, and then the uh the dumbest heroes ever reference i just enjoyed i enjoy when you break down the construction of something and so there's this big thing at the very end i guess of uh uh the sin is in order to save his captive friends flint and the foodimals spend what i'm assuming is about six days planning wielding and constructing a boat with a giant fishing rod and these are the dumbest heroes ever i just trying to sin uh a cartoon that just creates something out of nothing is always difficult Mm -hmm. but i thought that was well done yeah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I've seen this. I've seen both of these at Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs a handful of times because my, uh, you know, my gross daughter. Uh, <laughs> she was, uh, she was a fan. Of, no, my my beautiful, beautiful, sweet little girl. She was a fan of these when she was a little younger. Um, I haven't seen them in a while though, so they're kind of like uh, I, they're kind of interchangeable to me in my head. But I do think I recall this one wasn't nearly as fun as the first one, mm-hmm. probably for all the same reasons Aaron said, because that is a very, very common thing. A yeah. Rio Two is another great example yes. of that. It's all these uh, animated movies; they all do yeah. the same thing. It's crazy. But uh, yeah, so that was really funny. Um, so that was uh, this was I'm mean, saying this was a really funny video to me. Uh, I just liked adding the three percent. I don't know if we've already mentioned that. I'm sorry if we have, but <laughs> no. I just, that was I so loved, good. Yeah. Um, and then I guess you did calculate that. Or yeah, the comments. Did. If you if you go through the comments, there are a few people that are like, "Well, by deduction, I can say the first movie got 128 sins." Like, yep, you're right. I actually did the math. You are correct. Yeah. Oh, nice. Um, and then yeah, you guys already mentioned the penicillin thing. Uh, I I did like from the line in the movie. Um, I don't get vests. Is it winter on your torso and summer on your arms? And then the sin is Tim Lockwood would be excellent at stealing Dimitri Martin jokes to excel at vest sins. <laughs> I just like the complexity of that. Uh-huh. You know, would be excellent at cinema sins. Uh, and then thankfully this car floats. I thought was really well done. And then obviously Jeremy getting turned on by sentient scallions uh, had me dying uh, it was great uh, i was i it was, was i had tears coming out of stuff. my eyes That's my contribution to that sin was i told him to call them uh the wild scallions uh in in, nice. in, in honor of uh, bill and ted 
there you go. God, by the way, we didn't mention that when we did, because we're not talking about the outtakes as much anymore since they're separate. Uh-huh. But um, that Tron outtake from a couple weeks ago when it was the 69, dude. So perfect, right? They, David Warner goes, nice. <laughs> Oh my god! Was well, so great because so he asked he asked the question. Yeah. He was like, yeah, you know, yeah. what what thing are they from?" And then number sixty nine, dudes. And he goes, "Nice, <laughs> so perfect." Anyways, no, that you're right. Awesome. I'm glad you mentioned that. I love when stuff works out like that. So good. Uh, all right, that'll wrap it up. Let's move on to keeping tabs. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hey, podcast peeps, it's me again. Um, mm-hmm. those are my dogs. Mm-hmm. Those are my. Uh, every time I try to talk. Wow. Uh, is this how Aaron feels when we're. Okay, we're going to try this. Okay. I just wanted to tell you about the survey again, which is at cinemasense.com slash BTS. So go fill it out. The internet is a communications tool used the world over where people can come together to bitch about movies and share pornography with one another. Ha ha! Oh, jeez. This is the most public yet of my many humiliations. We're each going to talk about uh, something from the process of putting the content together for the week. Um, mine was already kind of talked about, so I'll just kind of brush over it uh, a little bit. But I wanted to mention the Lethal Weapon thing because it was one of those behind-the-scenes things that really kind of progressed through conversation and even kind of edging into argument maybe a little bit. I don't know if you remember it that way, Danae, but it was like um, you were very certain that it needed – you know. Uh, something more, you know, to kind of hit the the joke home, that kind of thing. And I think Daniel and I were like, no, it kind of works as is. But I, I'm really glad you pushed on that because I think it does make the joke better, you know, mm-hmm. to have those, you know, faces on there and to go that extra mile and do that extra effort. And of course, the editor. I'm just saying, not everybody has seen that movie. Okay. Correct. <laughs> and- I I I got to say though, I misunderstood you earlier. I thought you were saying even with the faces on there, I was. I was, that's what I was referring to. I was like, I think enough people have seen it to where they would get it if they were seeing it the way you guys showed it. Oh, I see what you're saying. 
Yeah. Um, Danae maybe still not. She may have may have still had to try to figure it out, and there there will always. Oh no no I understand some people. Not everybody's going to get a joke. I get I get that, but well, I think this, you guys presented it in a good way. And this is what I was going to say along that process: finding that balance and finding that like when is it too obscure? Because we throw some obscure mm-hmm. stuff out there, knowing that you know oh, yeah. the starfish jokes. I call them starfish jokes. You know, it's only going to make a difference for one or two people, right? Um, but we're okay with that. But then there are other times where we've invested enough time into mm-hmm. it that we kind of want more of the audience to understand what's going on. Because, and this I think was your point, Danae, and please feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but your point was we're doing a full paragraph on this. We're spending five to ten seconds on this sin. If yeah. somebody doesn't get it at the beginning, they're going to check out for the rest of it or be confused for a longer time. Sometimes you can slip in references that a lot of people won't get, but it's there and gone, and it's okay if they don't get it. In this case, it might be good to really spell it out for the uh, for the audience. So I appreciated that. I appreciated that conversation. I appreciated well, you pushing on it. And, and I can... And I can appreciate, even though a lot of people obviously have seen Lethal Weapon, it was a popular film. It was also a movie from 30, yeah. 34 years ago. So, I mean, yeah. it, our you know, our average age, obviously, is is, is Strews younger. So, mm-hmm. and, and, and kind of like Seagal, I'm not sure that, you know, people are going out of their way to watch Mel Gibson movies these days. So, right. I, you know, I, I understand. I understand that perspective 100 percent. Yeah. I also thought it was interesting. Uh, the other thing I'll mention about it um, is that it was interesting because I had thought uh, Falcon and the the Winter Soldier was very much le- had a lethal weapon vibe to it, where it was very much buddy cop, you know, kind of getting on each other's nerves. So it's interesting to see that in you know um, in both places, both recent Marvel shows, you know, different uh, yeah, different ones sure. of us kind of seeing that same kind of thing, and maybe that's just. Maybe that's yeah. just a fun thing they're they're liking to do is to put you know characters together that are kind of um, you know. It's interesting to me too that Lethal Weapon is kind of the stereotype of the buddy cop movie, right? Especially mm-hmm. like yeah. the the black officer and the white officer. Yes. But there were like you know thirty forty of those before Lethal Weapon even came out. I mean, is there like if you want to go back to Beverly Hills Cop, you know, which was three or four years before that, running scared with Billy Crystal and um, Gregory Hines. I mean, there was, you know, but, but, you know, Belief the Weapon was the one that everybody, you know, talks about. Yeah. Which is understandable. What about you, Jonathan? What's your uh, keeping tabs this week? Um, I only wrote on Rick and Morty, so I, I didn't really do a ton, although I did, and I didn't really do anything with this, but I, I knew, like I said, I don't have a lot of Hellraiser knowledge, but I knew that the Cenobites had, like, really weird names at times. I mean, obviously, there's Penhead, which is the main one that mm-hmm. everybody, you know, if anybody knows uh, one of the Cenobites' names, uh, they probably know Penhead. I keep thinking uh, of Cinnab- like Cinnabon Mini. Uh, yeah. Like, when, every time you say Cenobites, I'm like, hmm. Cinnabites. <laughs> I, I, know. My shift. I know. I know. I just got you. off my shift at the Cinnabon. <laughs> I just, that always makes me. Cinnabon always makes me think of that sketch on SNL, mm-hmm. Goth Talk, yeah. with yeah. Uh, Azriel. Yeah. In better Anyways. call Saul. Uh, yeah. So Cinnabites, if somebody doesn't know what they are, because like Denise said, not everybody watches these movies. Um, oddly enough, Hellraiser and Lethal Weapon came out the same year. Oh, so nice. interesting. Yeah. But uh, but there's been like 30 of these Hellraiser movies, so who knows? But uh, but anyway, so they've created a lot of these Cenobites, which are like these. I don't know what they're really supposed to be. They're Clive Barker made them up. They're like I don't know. They're like hell demons that come and bring people to hell or something. But they always have like these weird like body horror designs and stuff. Mm-hmm. 
which Rick and Morty was playing into and making fun of right. and stuff. I don't think they're quite as crazy as they are in Rick and Morty. But anyways, so I looked up Cenobite names, and uh, there's some pretty weird ones. Uh, one of them is called, and this is like in the movies, one of them is called Butterball, mm-hmm. uh, which he's just kind of, he's just kind of chubby. Oh, okay. I thought uh, maybe he slathered a certain yeah. region of his uh, anatomy. No. no. Okay. One is called Camera Head, and it is exactly how it sounds. Okay. He has mm-hmm. a camera for a head. Got it. One is called CD. <laughs> he has a CD disc coming out of his head. Uh, Elephant Woman. Don't even know how to describe that one. Uh, <laughs> I'm guessing there's a trunk involved somewhere. Yeah. There's a chatterer. And then there's also, they when they decided to make a female version of chatterer, the uh, whoever created her uh, was very creative and came up with the name female chatterer. So <laughs> wow, well done, th- well done. There's a Halo and a Halo Two. Don't know what that's about. Yes, yes, there uh, is. Both on Xbox. My favorite though, and I couldn't find a picture of him, but my favorite is Saucy Jack and uh, <laughs> Saucy wow. Jack and Butterball probably probably get yeah. together uh, and create some some nice recipes. There's also walnut head and that's about what you would think it looks like so yeah it's it's it's, that's an interesting franchise that i'm i'm probably never going to look into again no offense to people that love hellraiser and yet i'm still not my thing yet i'm still hungry for miniature cinnabons i want Uh, cinnabons so bad cinnabons are good i we don't really have a lot of them here but uh they're like the airport and stuff so i do i do get them occasionally i know exactly what place sells them between here and nashville (laughs) i guess i've made that trip so many times uh, There's a bunch of them, and uh, like if you go to uh, like Pigeon Forge and Gatlinburg, yeah. you know, they're all over that place. Yeah. Uh, Danae, what about you? What you keeping tabs? I don't have any this week. Okay, nothing. Didn't have to do any work. That's always nice. Uh, <laughs> we'll have words after the show about that. <laughs> uh, all right, let's move into the comments section. I want to know what you're thinking. I appreciate your honesty. You're a real straight shooter. You are the ones who are the ball lickers. Uh, What's a comment from any area of the internets or beyond uh, that you wanted to highlight for this week? The Webiverse. Jonathan, why don't you go first? What is uh, your comment for the comment section this week? Yeah, so Under Siege, I I just started looking at the comments for Under Siege. I thought it was interesting. I didn't write a specific one down about this, but uh, there was a sin in Under Siege about how much garlic was on the ship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, People had a lot of stuff to say about that. Uh, <laughs> of course they did. Of course people said, they Man, did. Clearly, no one is served on a Navy vessel at Cinema Sense. <laughs> uh, you are correct. I believe. I, I, you know, I can't speak for Ian and Daniel, but um, I believe you are correct. Uh, oh wait, no, Danae did. I'm sorry. Shit, yes. fuck that up. Yeah. No, did not. <laughs> I used to work next to a naval recruiting office. Have I ever told you that before? No. So my... Is it a yoga studio? <laughs> no. I always see yoga studios by recruitment offices in Mer- I don't know if that's just a thing out here. I have no I idea. I thought you but... meant was the Naval Recruiting Office a yoga studio? No, like we should work at a yoga studio. And I didn't mean I that thought... mean. I just, that's what I always see by recruitment offices <laughs> or yoga studios. My stupid brain is like, is that a bare midriff joke? Like, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, naval... no, 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 no. I got you. I got naval you. Naval uh, no. That's funny. That's funny. Yeah. Appreciate you giving me that kind of credit. But yeah. No. <laughs> No, I used to work at a pizza place. I was a waitress there for years and the guys would come over for pizza, obviously for lunch every so often. And every single month they have a quota that they're supposed to meet for their recruitment. And every single time that they were low, when they would come over for pizza, they would say, hey, Danae, 
do you want to join the Navy? <laughs> and it just became this back and forth thing. Like the, I think the first time they were actually serious about it. And so when I laughed in their face and slid the pizza on their table, I think they were a little shocked at my forwardness. And so it led in, uh, led to several deeper conversations about my problem with authority in general. And so one day I sat down at the table with them and I just said, let me just ask this to you seriously. Give me a situation where I'm told to do something. And they're like, okay, uh, you're going to go through all of your physical stuff. You've got to be able to do like 50 push-ups or something. I don't remember the number. And they're like, so do your push-ups. And I was like, no. And they just looked at me like, okay. And then they gave me like two or three of the things. And it was like this thing. And I just said no to everything. And and they were laughing at me. And they're like, you can't, well, you can't do that. I was like, yeah, that's why I'm not joining the Navy. <laughs> I was, oh, I was the first, uh, I think I was the first male on my dad's side of the family uh, not to join the military. So that was, an, that's a whole other interesting like perspective to have and how mm. I got a little, I didn't get ostracized or anything, but I think I was shamed a little bit for a minute, but yeah, I'm kind of yeah. like, it's just not my, and I wouldn't have done well anyways. I have like shitty feet and I can't see. And I mean, it's just, nobody would have like, wanted me for do very you long. Want, they're like, no, no, you'd be great. You'd be great. You've got a great, you know, attitude and great personality. I was like, right. That you want to wash away from my brain and make me into mm. a robot person. And I don't know that that's going to be a good fit for me. Also, I want to say no to people that I don't agree with. And I don't think that's allowed. And so as the months would go on, it'd be turned into a total joke because, and then there was one day I said, okay, guys, I'm ready to join the Navy. And they were like, we don't think you're a good fit. <laughs> it was so great. It it's was great. so great. Yeah. I don't you know, know. My wife always says the same thing though. She's not, I'm not, I'm not good with people telling me what to do. So I don't, it's, I don't think that would be a good fit for me. I just, I have an authority problem and I have most of my life. Someone got, would push you in a locker and you'd be like, no, I'm not doing this. I, I would <laughs> punch him or something, you know? Anyway. Yeah. 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 So, uh, oh, so, uh, so I didn't say my thing. I'm sorry. sorry. So, no, no, that was my bad. No, 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 you're good. Um, but anyway, so I thought that was interesting. A lot of people just saying stuff like, no, they're, they would definitely have that much garlic based on they trying to count the number of people on the ship and all this stuff. And I'm like, okay, whatever. Um, but then Christopher Cooper said, uh, being a culinary specialist in the Navy. Oh, thanks for listening to us, Chris Cooper. That's pretty awesome. I'm sure, Whoa. I'm sure it's the Chris Cooper. It is the Chris Cooper. Of course it is. Uh, maniacal laugh. Maniacal uh, laugh. Maniacal laugh. <laughs> but Christopher Cooper said, "Being a culinary specialist in the Navy, I can say that it's pretty accurate that he's worried more about his pies than his life." I thought that was really funny. Mm -hmm. Very nice. Um, mine comes from Kathy, and this was in relation to the Loki sin about the uh only thing that all Lokis have in common is that they sound like they're from London. Um, and first of all, there were many, many comments from people being like, he didn't sound like he was from London at all. That wasn't a good British accent. And to you, I say that was an imitation of somebody purposefully doing a bad Brit British accent. Uh, and I'm sorry you missed that, but that's okay. Um, and then there was lots of conversation from our English viewers, uh, about the fact that they, that, uh, Sylvie especially doesn't sound like she's from London. And, you know, and again, the sin is about sounding like you're from England and that's just a jokey way of saying it, but I get it. I totally understand. But here's the comment. Uh, they don't all have London accents. Uh, most Asgardians speak RP, uh, while Sylvie has a Northern accent. Now, if you wonder what RP uh, means that is the standard role play. It means role play. Let me tell you all about it. I've uh, been role playing lately. You can follow me on Twitter. Oh, sorry. 
It is the standard English, like the Queen's English. I think it stands for received pronunciation, uh, is what RP stands received for. Received pronunciation. Yes. Um, <laughs> that is... That is... That's great. I, Let's I just end the show right there. Received pronunciation. Jonathan's English accent is like just apparently aged. It. <laughs> Anybody that's like, old sounds English. Like you pulled that up into your lungs and like, yeah, oh, no, and like great. you really got into it. Uh, that, that was, was great. Beautiful. That was wonderful. It's like cranky, cranky old received pronunciation guy. Uh, the not non people can't see what he just did on the podcast are missing <laughs> out. That was yeah, amazing. It was it was really great. Uh, so anyhow, Sylvie apparently has a northern accent. Um, seems to me that this was because she was taken as a kid and didn't have the posher accent that was forced on her. Also, it's nice not to have everyone with an American accent. I completely agree. It's just, again, the joke in the sin is the fact that these Lokis can be all, they can be alligators, but if the alligator speaks, it's going to be with an English accent. Uh, because, yeah, probably. Because that is how Lokis work. So uh, anyhow, I thought I'd mention that because I thought that was fun stuff. Uh, Danae, what about you? I wanted to highlight Josh's comments about getting the poster in the mail, uh, mostly because I think it's just a fun kind of a merger of both your excitement for the merch that we sell and getting it. Um, but he also says, whoever designed that fucking merch rules the repeating of the, in, talking about the TV sense poster, the repeating of the faces in Jonathan's glasses is a wonderful touch. Mm-hmm. Um, they're really high quality posters too. They're really big and they're thick and they're well printed. Um, and so those are available at our merch store. The artist is Chris Barnes, who is also known as Brutal Posters. And he does a lot of um, like poster recreations. He does a lot of movie posters. He's got a very specific style and we did a lot of research before choosing him as our artist, and it was an absolute delight working with him. Um, all of us had to send in very particular photos so that he could <laughs> um, match and mimic kind of a vibe. So our TV Sense poster is made after Breaking Bad. Our Cinema Sense poster is made after Batman. So each of the uh, three guys is has a reference to Batman. Uh, yeah. Jeremy is no, wearing no ego there. Yeah, Jeremy <laughs> is wearing a Batman hoodie. Um, Chris, I believe, is holding up a button that is also something that I think Two Face did, and I think uh, uh, B- Barrett is doing the same, but with Sincast. So, and then there's a lot of references, um, just kind of to our own branding there, that look really, really good. And then the music video sense poster is off of the very first music video that was done. Um, and I don't remember the reference off the top of my head. Oh, it's the, it's the, the, uh, what is that song called? It's panic at the disco. Panic at the disco. It's there. I write, is it, I write tragedies. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. It was like a wink and a nod to kind of us writing too. And the, 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 the song is like, I write tragedies and not sins or I write sins and not tragedies. So sin is in there. Yes, 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 yes. yes, God, I got to look that up. Um, you look that up. (laughs) And so uh, Barrett did get kind of dressed up to mimic the album cover for that. And so we love them. They are, like I said, super, super high quality. And you can use code DING, I believe, for $5 off. And so that's something to consider if you guys want to grab a poster. Josh, glad you got yours in the mail. Do you know what my favorite... I write sins, not tragedies. That's what it's called. Do you know my favorite part of the TV Sins poster? And this is just a me thing. My favorite part is that we actually used actual elements for the yes. the TV sins that we were able to find two yes. actual elements. The uh, element V twenty three. 
mm-hmm. and SI mm-hmm. yeah. 14. So. I we had a conversation about that, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we yeah. were trying to find the right combination and for it to kind of look because Breaking Bad uses the elements too. It yeah. worked I out wish, just perfectly. I kind of wish, I am curious though, because it is funny seeing Aaron with such a serious mug. And I remember <laughs> after it was made, there was talk that maybe he should have smiled. Like, I don't know, that could have been kind of an interesting, we could have at least seen the difference, you know, but <laughs> that, I, I that love it hilarious. the way it you is. You two are just looking all serious <laughs> and I'm just, I've got a goofy grin on my face but or that's something. What, that's pretty much every day. I mean, that's kind of how it is, you know, we're all just sitting here like, yeah, it was fun to mimic those, and they're one of they're my favorite thing that we sell in the store. Um, and mm-hmm. I would I think we're gonna I would like to start selling miniature versions, like not postcard versions, not postcard size, but like a little bit bigger. Uh, so we're kind of looking into if we have options for selling them. But th- these are big posters, like twenty four inch posters. Very nice. All right, let's move into Beyond the Sins to Infinity and Beyond. Somewhere beyond my wild history. To boldly go where no man has gone before. We're each going to chat about something else from the pop culture world that we've seen recently. And Danae is going to kick us off this time. What have you Listen, seen, Danae? I have only been playing Wild RP. I have no time for anything yeah. else in my life. I'm completely consumed by it. Love it. It is uh, my favorite thing. I mean, she's so. giving up parenting. She's not even doing that. Mm-hmm. She's nope. just like, nope. No, my daughter, nope. my, my husband can take care of her. Yes, that's exactly right. Uh, nothing else matters. <laughs> um, but I did want to give a shout out because I have had several new Polytopia friends uh, join. <laughs> so Endless Delirium and uh, Reagan 414. And then there's one that's like a whole bunch of slash marks. I'm oh. just so excited. So I have a total of now five actual people that I can set a game up for. And I appreciate nice. that a lot because it's just it's just a ton of fun to play with actual people. Jonathan, what about you? Um, I'm actually going to talk about a book um, that I read that I really liked. It's called, uh, it's called Book of Accidents and it's written by Chuck Wendig. Uh, I had only read one other book by him, which was from, I think, like 2010 or something. He wrote this series called the Miriam Black series. And I read the first book in that series. I liked it, but for whatever reason, I never picked up anything else until now. Um, this I had read this was getting compared to like like classic Stephen King and stuff like that. And um, I think that's a fair comparison, but I think it's very different. And I think it's, um, uh, it's which is really interesting because King actually released his new novel uh, about a week after this or before it. But um, but anyways, this is called Book of Accidents. Like I said, it's by Chuck Wendig. Um, he did write a pretty popular novel a couple years ago that I haven't read yet called Wanderers, if you guys think that name sounds familiar to you. But anyways, this book, much like something like I get why it gets the King reference, because, you know, if you just substitute uh, Maine for Pennsylvania, it's like a small rural town in Pennsylvania is where the setting takes place. So mm-hmm. that's kind of King-esque. And it's like this family. And then there's um, there's some kind of evil presence in the town that's going to do like evil shit to people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this family that we're focusing on, there's a, you know, there's a young, oh, I, I mean, he's a teenager. I guess he is young. Uh, there's a young boy that uh, may or may not be at the root of all this. And um, what I thought was interesting, though, I was really liking it, but about halfway through, uh, and I can't really say too much about it, but about halfway through, it takes a twist and actually kind of introduces a new genre into the mix, which is where I, that's why I think the keen comparison is okay, but it definitely does its own thing Mm -hmm. with that type of story. Uh, and that's where I really, really started falling in love with it. And, uh, it, and then it just continues from that point on, 
Um, it is so fascinating. It is so fun. I hope to God somebody picks this up and makes it as a movie or a TV show because it is so cool. And I really can't, like I said, I don't want to say anything about it because I don't want to ruin it, but except for the basic setup. But yeah, if, if any of that sounds interesting to you, you're looking for a new book to read, uh, I highly recommend Book of Accidents by Chuck Wendig. There you go. Book of Accidents. Um, I'm going to do an older movie that uh, I saw recently uh, called Ordinary People. Um, and this is available for you on Paramount Plus if you have Paramount Plus. Um, this movie floored me. I was not expecting the, what I had heard about Ordinary. Is it Redford's first uh, directorial? Is it his debut or had he directed something before this? I can't remember. But uh, Robert Redford directed it, and uh, I think it was—I uh, don't know. <laughs> I, and and I had, I you know, I all I had really heard about it is that it shouldn't have won the Oscar. That like there was some controversy about its Oscar wins or whatever. I wasn't expecting a ton, but this movie is so far ahead of its time in dealing with things like therapy, um, conversational relationships. There is so much incredible like emotional work that these characters are doing. Um, there is some family stuff in here uh, about what it's like to, um, you know, have parents who, you know, disagree on raising children and how to approach things. There's uh, dealing with loss. There's s all the stuff in here feels so authentic and real. I was just kind of blown away. It's an older movie. It's not one I think most people would think of to be like, oh, I've got to see this movie. But I'm telling you, if you want a movie from 40 years ago, right? Wasn't, yeah, it was like 1980. 1980. Yeah. Uh, if you want a movie from 41 years ago that uh, feels like it could have been made today based on kind of how people are talking about mental health and therapy, like, check this thing out. I It really kind of blew me away. Judd Hirsch. Uh, plays the therapist in this, and he is so good. And he's dealing with Timothy Hutton uh, as a teenager, and then Mary Tyler Moore and Donald Sutherland uh, play the parents. And man, I just I I loved so much of this, and it's just a high high recommend for me um, as something to go back to, even if you've seen it, um, because it just it feels like it feels like it could have been written in you know twenty twenty one in many ways. Oh yeah, there's a scene where uh, Sutherland and Mary Tyler Moore are having a conversation about the Timothy Hutton character, like in mm -hmm. a I don't know if they're in a food court or they're they're in a restaurant or something, and mm -hmm. uh, it's just it, it it's fascinating to hear that this was something. I don't know. Characters was, are saying. Are you in talking about the one on the golf course? I think there was oh, one. When that, they were... That's it. Yeah. 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 And it's just, it's just, I don't know. Them trying to figure what's out, what's going on, and all that kind of stuff. And it, yeah, it's it's totally fascinating. Well, and um, it nails I, like that scene, especially nails yeah. like the awkwardness of when you have like friends fighting, and it's yes. like you know how do you you know all of a sudden it becomes a little more public than they probably intend it to be, mm -hmm. and it's just it just feels so real and authentic. And man, I just. It blew me away, like I said. Yeah, so. I think it's. I think over the years it's gotten, I, and maybe at the time, I mean, I was four years old, so I don't remember, but I know that it's gotten a little controversial, and it, and it came back up, especially when um, Dances with the Wolves won, because uh, that meant, like, because Raging Bull was the really, what, what everybody was. thought was yeah. going to win, and uh, and then Scorsese, you know, lost, um, mm -hmm. and... Um, and I mean, and then and then in 1990, Scorsese lost to Kevin Costner 
and Dances with Wolves, mm-hmm. you know, beating Goodfellas. So I think I think that gets brought up that, you know, he lost the two actors turned directors and stuff like that. I think that's kind of the conversation that gets thrown in. But yeah, I think that's unfortunate that people don't, uh, you know, I, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, Raging Bull is a great movie, too. So, I mean, I, sure I, can, I can be OK with either one of those. But I, I don't think I don't have a problem with this winning, though, by any means. It's, it's such a great movie. It won. So. It won best picture, best director, mm-hmm. best mm-hmm. adapted screenplay, best supporting actor, best actress, and best supporting actor. It only missed one of the acting awards. Mm-hmm. Um, just, just an incredible, uh, incredible film. And I just, I was really glad I, I uh, finally checked it out, and would highly recommend uh, other movie lovers uh, do as well. Because man, it's you know yeah. me, I love, I love like the idea of talking through emotion and not, you know not being in denial about it, but really like processing this, which is one of the reasons why I'm mm-hmm. so pro therapy. Um, and this movie, man, it just, it gets it. And I, it's huge, huge recommend for me. So yeah, that's ordinary people. Uh, that's ordinary people on Paramount plus book of accidents, um, which you can find wherever you get books. And, um, Danae is recommending the WWE SummerSlam, uh, is, oh was, my her, God. was her recommendation for this. Guys, no spoilers, but it was so crazy, right? <laughs> like I could hear the chanting from the basement. I knew exactly what was happening because my mm-hmm. husband was so excited about it that he talked about it for an entire day. Mm-hmm. It was a massively big deal. Is that Huge something that just day happened? for WWE. I can't tell you if you're if you are a <laughs> WWE fan and you're not paying attention to what just happened, you are missing out. Well, there was. Is that more something th- that just happened? Yeah, there was more than just yeah. WWE. Wasn't there also the other wrestling wrestling league brought someone a- in? And- yeah, what was yeah. it called? That was maybe that was AEW, maybe. That's the one I that has that the Twitter really big thing. That right. was like the big. That right. was the mind blown yeah. life. <laughs> life as a W. Life as a wrestler fan is ending and beginning all at the same mm-hmm. time. I mean, my husband was showing me like clips of John <laughs> Cena chatting it out with uh, uh, Roman Reigns. Is that right? And mm-hmm. they're just like doing their back and forth thing. And John Cena does this little wink and nod to what could be coming and does like he quotes something about how like if when he takes the whatever, he's going to disappear into the crowd with a little kiss. And Justin's like, this means something. And I'm like, OK. And then it does. And there was just screaming from the basement from like I could literally you my thought floor I was, was shaking. Does yeah. John does John? John Cena still wrestles though. Like he's still um, all in. You know, he's back. He was gone for a little bit of time, but oh, yeah, it's he's what's got the really, whole acting career. What's really interesting is I and I was talking about this with Justin. Is, thanks 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 Aaron. Thank you. No, um, I relish I relish my new role as the person picking your uh, <laughs> your beyond the sins. Thank you. So what's interesting for me is watching the people in the crowd because for such a long time they just had massive cameras and and TVs Mm -hmm. set up that had people's faces on it who were cheering from home, which is a really interesting twist. But now the fans are back in the room and you get that palpable like roar and excitement for what these people are doing. And so what's interesting to me is like John Cena isn't being booed anymore. He's being like really welcomed back in and, and he's got the crowd on his side again. And I'm like, 
Well, yeah, the crowd is just excited to be there. I mean, they would be happy to see Goldberg at this point. Who is do people get do people get upset when they leave to do acting and stuff? Like when that happens, does that upset know. fans? I don't know that they get upset about it. I think they kind of understand I mean, it's sort of part of the... Um, I mean, to be fair, it doesn't happen that often. I mean, it's not like... I mean, The Rock is a rare example of how much it can blow up. And then I would guess Cena might be next. Yeah, Cena's he's got a... a I, I think I mean, it's Goldberg's, expected. I mean, Goldberg's done movies and stuff, but he's not. Sure. What about Drax? He's not on that level. And Dra- yeah, I was just going to really say. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think Kane. those. Yep. Those guys will definitely make a crossover. And I think it's it's expected. I think the fans that are big fans of those uh, characters are totally behind it. Um, but the big news of who returned to the, I think it is AEW, but don't quote me on that. Cause I it actually is. don't know. I think it the is the big, yeah. the big, the big, 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 big thing is if you were, if you're a fan of this particular person, like just making an appearance, it was absolutely epic. And can you not you say, cause I, I don't know. Listen, anything. I, I think there might be some old school WWE fans. Who was it the Iron Sheik? Really want to not be surprised and just watch it was and it, enjoy it. Was it the the junkyard dogs? I don't even know if was that's a Ted real DiBiase? thing. Was it Ted DiBiase? Was it Sting? Wow, Sting, Sting. was WWE. Sting was WWE. Was he? Yeah, oh, I didn't think he was. He was my he was my wrestling crush when I was a. Was it Hulk Whoa. Hogan? Because people love no. him so much now. Nope, um, nope, 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 not him. I was do. I do feel Steel? like there is this. There's this thing that I. I, I joke around with Justin about this. Like this there is something called geriatric wrestling, and I call. There's this moment when the wrestlers kind of shift over into like this geriatric realm where mm-hmm. their epicness has ebbed and waned enough that when they step into the ring, they can still do cool stuff, but you can see that their bones are aching and they should just stop. Well, it's kind of like um, watching Harrison Ford in an Indiana Jones movie, right? Like, you know, it's yeah, just there's just like, certain things. Well, but it's even watching more the movie, so the because, because they're actually right. doing these stunts with a live audience. It's so different sure. in that way. Like, yeah, no, no, you're right. On a you're movie, right. you can shoot these shots and right. you can have yeah. someone throw a punch. Yeah. But in front of a live audience where they're really doing these things, I'm like, they're going to break in half. And so, well, they, like, The Undertaker, the, when The Undertaker was wrestling a whole bunch, kind of like trying to wrap up his career, I'm like, what is he still doing out there? Because mm-hmm. he's just this, you know, he's just, he's taking his time for the epic buildup. That's true. But also the man just needs to take his time because he I is heard a, old I heard dude. an yeah. interview with The Undertaker and I believe he's married to Vince McMahon's daughter or something. I, that sounds I, right. That Stephanie sounds right. McMahon. They're really, really close. Like that, yeah. that whole... And I only know this stuff because my husband talks about it so much, but he listens to all the podcasts, like my feeling was, all of them. My and, feeling was The Undertaker is like next in line with his probably. wife to kind of, you yeah, know, take over everything. Take over yeah, everything, I wouldn't so. be surprised by that. The other, uh, I don't know if it's Undertaker, though. That I think it's um, maybe Triple, it's H. Triple H. Triple H. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. That's who yep. it was. It wasn't The Undertaker. I apologize. No, no, no. Um, but uh the other interesting thing is like so there's there are these women wrestlers called the the two i think the bella the bella twins or something and john cena married one of them and in real life like that actually happened yeah they had a kid together and then brian daniel brian brian daniel brian he married the other bella twin and i guess cena and the bella split up and i didn't know this but it was like a year ago or something because i just stopped paying attention um but in this back and forth between Cena and Roman Reigns, like Roman basically says that Bella got bored of the missionary position with Cena. <laughs> and I was just like, 
oh shit <laughs> this is it's on that's that's a low blow and they're bringing in this they're bringing this kind of content to the mains okay okay so there's just some interesting stuff that they're they're gearing back up for a live audience it's I, exciting times for the people who love the wrestling listen i i know where to light the fuse and uh <laughs> i i knew we were we were in for about five minutes of uh wrestling content uh, i only so. know the things i know because of my husband's sure, absolute sure. adoration of i mean WWE. i'm not even a wrestling fan you got me excited i'm like what's what's <laughs> i gotta look up stuff i gotta do some googling so, once again <laughs> that would be ordinary people on paramount plus book of accidents if you want to uh read it and wwe stuff happening all over the place wwe technically also on Paramount Plus, I believe. No, no, no. Peacock. WWE uh, signed with Peacock, I believe. So uh, you can check out some of that stuff there. Anyhow, that's going to do it for Behind the Sins this week. Don't forget to make sure you're subscribed and go ahead and leave a comment or rating as well. If you've got anything you want to send us, mail it to P.O. Box 881, Republic, Missouri 65738. You can hang out with us on Twitter. I'm at Aaron Dicer. She is at Danae Says. D-E-N-E-E-S-A-Y-S. He is at Sam Loomis 13. So for Jonathan Watkins, Danae Hughes, Saucy Jack, and myself, we will see you next week. <laughs> Happy Musical Yoga Day! Oh, right next to the Naval Academy. Thanks for listening. Send any feedback to BTS at cinemasins.com. And be sure to subscribe, rate, and comment. Find more ways to connect by visiting cinemasins.com slash BTS. I'm sure there's a conspiracy out there I do buy, but I, I don't. I can't think of one right off the top of my head. Some of it's interesting. Some of it you're just kind of like, yeah, I can believe I mean, the, the Kennedy assassination. Exactly. You know? I can believe the FBI yeah. had something to do with the Kennedy assassination. There have been too many proven stories of the FBI do, doing things that. Well, and a lot of assassinations. And a lot of assassinations, him. especially of black leaders. And it's like, like mm -hmm. that, that if, if there was proof of that, that would not surprise me. Um, yeah, my wife is fascinated. Meredith is fascinated by the Kennedy That's thing. That's about the she only to... one, though. That's about the only yeah. conspiracy I, I'm willing to it, entertain. Is it possible that, like, there have been... I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. The alien stuff is interesting because, I mean, you really don't know what's out there. But I guess I, just, I don't I see feel... that as a conspiracy. I just see that as, like, conjecture. You know what well, I mean? Well, I guess the conspiracy is do we have a UFO in Roswell? Stuff oh, like that. yeah. I would... No, I don't believe that. that yeah, I don't either, but... Um, but I don't know. I tried to watch that. Uh, Showtime's got that UFO documentary series now, which is, I guess they've opened up some some files or something recently. There's something going on. I don't know. I couldn't really get through like the first 30 minutes of the first episode, so I quit watching it. It was kind of boring. But uh, apparently that's what that's based on, is there's something right now where all these files are supposedly being opened and, you know, the government's having to turn over information. But I, but, well, but just, if there was something, we would already know. <laughs> So, yeah, the stuff the stuff they're talking about is still interesting. You know, they're talking about actual UFOs, meaning yeah, yeah, like there are videos, un unidentified yeah, flying there are videos objects. of yeah. what looks like objects flying at incredible speeds that they can't figure out. That doesn't mean that they have an alien, you know, that they've autopsied like that's a that's a that's a different leap. It's kind of like Bigfoot. You know, it's like one of those things where I just I just feel like that's something we would be very aware of. Sure. If, but maybe, but you know, people have theories as to why we're not. So, and I don't, you know, people got theories. People always got theories. But it, but I always think that's funny. People will get into those shows, which you watch whatever the hell you want to watch. I mean, I don't care. I watch stupid stuff. But um, the Bigfoot, you know, Sasquatch hunters and all that stuff. And it's like you do know though, if they actually caught one, we would already know about this. Like it would be, it would be <laughs> like 
Like that's not they're not they're not going to be able to hold that off until uh you know it airs. Well, that reminds me of like when you're watching a reality TV show and they're like amping up the danger of the situation and it's like, yeah. look, if they died, you're not airing this. Like I like the fact that you're airing this, I already know that this danger yeah, this danger is a little bit that was, manufactured. Uh, sur- survivor outback australia there was uh, that guy that got he uh he burned his arms or whatever yeah that was he he inhaled he inhaled some smoke and then he like he passed out into the fire right Mm -hmm. or almost did or something right he had some pretty i mean he he was very injured i mean Mm -hmm. it wasn't you know it wasn't minor but but i remember the the trailer for that episode Mm -hmm. made it seem like he got attacked by a crocodile or something because (laughs) right yeah 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 that was uh michael scoopin and there's yeah that's right and a lot which and that screwed that team too because it did, it did. And a lot of people think he he might have even won um mm-hmm. I that god that sucked too man that and it, it's hard it's amazing that's not staged because it totally fucked the balance that well and then they made that I still remember this like it was yesterday yeah. I have no idea how I remember those but then they made the mistake of they fell for the other team uh, made it seem like was it Cody mm could be who was the one that finished second that year uh if it was the outback uh, team did tina win the outback was that season tina one so who was the guy that like, cody kobe yeah kobe cody Col- yeah something like colby. that yeah i think maybe colby but they made it seem like he had had he had had uh he had had a vote against him and he hadn't it was uh what's her name had had a couple against her mm-hmm. but um anyways i don't know that that season irritated me and then I watched Africa, and then I think I did watch All Stars. I think All Stars was like the last one I officially watched the whole season, and I've seen bits and pieces Which, of it the, here and there. Season eight All Stars, like the, the first the one, first yeah, one? Yeah. yeah, the, it's a the great Amber oh, Boston a great Rob season. and Amber. Yeah. Yep, Boston Rob did finally win, right? Yeah, he's got a win. Um, yeah, yeah, it, it, people consider that a win for him. Uh, as well oh oh he 100 percent won so, that they're still married though aren't they yeah. i mean i think there's i they mean i think that's reality legit. shows like, and all kind of stuff yeah I, I watched that poker show um that where he went to try to be a professional poker player mm-hmm. yeah amber uh, uh amber's first uh season was the outback right wasn't amber yes. on the outback yeah, yeah amber was on outback yeah, yeah she was on i i think she was on the team with tina and stuff if i remember mm-hmm. correctly yes yep yeah the final um, three was uh, tina colby and keith uh, were the final three of the outback. Yeah, and he, yeah, and I, she totally worked Colby too. Because mm-hmm. if he had picked Keith, he would have won easily. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And she talked him into picking her, and he pulled. He said that bullshit about, well, I mean, I want to, I want to, you know, I want to, I'm playing a game, and I want to, I want to, you know, win or lose to the best. Like, mm-hmm. you want to fucking win, man. Yeah, I if mean, you're playing a game, play to win. Like you're not you cheating. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're not cheating by picking Keith. You're pick if you're those picking Keith because you in- know you can beat him. Oh, those first few seasons were so interesting, oh, like yeah. that because Chick picking Richard. Yeah. I mean, that makes no sense. It's like it, it's just those first seasons were so interesting because there was still a lot of people who didn't quite get it. Like that, the, they were still like. You know, I'm here to be a good person and to and it's like you can be a good person and play the game by the rules like you can bluff in poker. That's okay. Like that doesn't that's not immoral. Like so it was it was really interesting to see. Um, But yeah, that season uh, in Australia, Kucha was like dominating Ogakor. And then Michael, uh, yeah, got a medically evacuated and it was just it was over for them. And Ogakor just kind of took him out. If they had voted uh, what's her name out the Jerry, if they had voted her mm-hmm. out, they would have actually they would have won because um, I think she had more votes yes. than Jeff. Yes, because Jeff was the one that got 
I, I like mm-hmm. Jeff. I remember liking him a lot. He was funny. Was he he came one? back too, didn't he? He did come back and he had a big boo-boo. Um, I think, it, I, I don't want to say this if it wasn't Jeff. So I, I will check this and, and edit it out with somebody, but it might have been Jeff outed somebody on an episode. That like, sounds right. And so, yeah, it was, it was that rough. That sounds right. I think, I think you're correct. Danae, welcome to Survivor Talk. Oh, cool. Uh, Oh, my God. Are you okay, Danae? Perfectly great. (laughs) No Danae in the outtakes this week. Danae, quick, make an outtake. That was my imitation of connecting to the internet. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, we all got it. We all got it. Oh my god! You know who else is in Biodome? Patty Hurst. <laughs> Patty, Patty, motherfucking Hurst is in Biodome. It's like that all our live viewers are like, "Oh, we're just starting off with Biodome casting." Who are you excited about being in there? No, I just—it's just crazy. Patty Hearst is in the movie, like the Patty Hearst that got kidnapped by mm-hmm. the Lebanese army or whatever it was. What? Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. And they probably make a very inappropriate joke. I'm sure. Nick says uh, that's why we're starting late because they've been talking about biodome. <laughs> <laughs> My baloney has the a first name. name. It's O S C A R. My baloney, My baloney has That's right. a second, second name. name is oh wait, we get sued for that, we... can we? No, oh. shoot, nobody is suing us. Nobody. Maybe Biodome. <laughs> Biodome might sue us. But... Oh my god. <laughs> Patty Patty Hearst sends us a very strongly worded letter. A stern warning. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. <laughs> 